0: It is better to think of church in the alehouse than to think of the alehouse in church.
1: Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. Strong opinions, weekly held about Christianity, the church, and beer. I'm your host, Tim Curley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how are we surviving in this
0: heat? It's hot. Uh, Not too bad, actually. Um, I just pay for an outrageous electricity bill. It's just what I do. Um, I just am like, you know what, I'd rather be comfortable. Uh, And that's what I do. Uh, I just cut back on certain things in my life to allow myself to be comfortable in my own house so surviving thriving doing just fine um and not going outside uh i just got my bike roller in this week so i'll be able to ride my bike indoors in a nice temperature instead of having to go outside where it's 105 106 and or get up at the buck crack of dawn to go yeah. ride my bike i'm like no <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> so, uh, no, doing well. How are you surviving this heat, Tim? Um, not bad.
1: My, I don't have to leave the house much since I work in the house. But uh, I did sent Friday. I was out in the heat. Saturday I was out in the heat. By Sunday, by Saturday night, and then Sunday, I was like, I think I got a little bit of heat heat, heat exhaustion. It was just my body was like, nope, I'm done. Uh, so it's probably the sign of how, uh comfortable i am and (laughs) how little my (laughs) how uh, dainty i've become in not having to survive the heat uh because in my 20s i could have been out in that kind of heat all day and not had a problem was in that kind of heat all the time in summer coaching football and yeah it drained you a bit but so maybe just haven't been drinking as much water as i thought lately so but surviving it uh but overall, doing pretty well. Good. Good. We both have a trip coming up next weekend. Not this weekend, but next weekend.
0: That's right. Guy's trip heading over to San Diego. Um, this will be the first time that Tim and I will have been to San Diego together. Um, I'm excited to go back. I think we talked about this last summer. That I'm a... Uh, I'm a huge uh, San Diego bum. I love going there, and it's where I got to spend vacations growing up as a kid. So I know lots and lots of different places and I just have fond memories every time that I go and uh, and still love discovering new things in the city and, and trying things out, um, especially now that I'm older and I'm over the age of 21. I can indulge in <laughs> uh, many of the breweries that haunt that city – um and so it's just awesome um looking forward to it uh we're just going up for the or going down for the weekend so um but it'll be a good trip i'm looking forward to it
1: yeah that's probably my favorite city in california and one of my favorite cities anywhere uh i much more enjoyed it in the 90s before everyone found out about san diego and started moving down there but even then it's not uh, if you go to downtown it's still it's not gotten much worse I mean they it was all downtown they had aerospace down there so people worked but it was always kind of retirees and uh, uh, oh what am I trying to say travel uh, people tourists tourists tourism in in the downtown little Italy area so uh, when I was single and still living in LA I had a buddy of mine and we would go down often to san diego whenever we could we had regular spots we would hit um we had a friend of ours his dad was president of del mar bank Mm. and so they had a condo right on the beach in del mar and they would travel a lot themselves so anytime they were gone they would let us know and we could go down there we had a free place to stay in del mar so that was always beautiful um, Del Mar was a little pricey for us. So we, we usually use it as a hub to go somewhere. And then, so we'd go down, hit Little Italy, Pacific beach, uh, gas lamp, old town. Um, and then we always ended every trip Sunday afternoon, we'd go over to Coronado Island and they had a great, uh, cover band that would play on the pier that they have at the beach or yeah. Well, no, the pool area pier that they have at the beach, uh, at the hotel, the hotel and, uh they always ended their set with the spot-on version of Sweet uh, Judy Blue Eyes by uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. He's lying. They ended with 40 every time. so. (laughs) Um, So always enjoyed that, just hanging out, drinking beer, eating some nachos, and listening to the waves. And then we found out there was a, on one of our trips, there was a, bar nearby that was a walking distance of the hotel and we wandered in there one day and no one gave us a look uh but we just kind of went into the bar sat down it was an irish bar and uh just quickly noticed we were a little bit out of place and come to find out it's basically the navy seal bar uh because it's pretty close to where the yeah the it's navy that Seal's... it's
0: that irish bar that's on the on the curve, yeah. which one you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. and yeah, they were funny. they were
1: perfectly fine. They weren't like, "Hey, this is a Navy Seal bar. Get the hell out of here." They were just, I said, uh, "Is this a military?" Like, actually, this is a Navy Seal bar, but you're perfectly fine. It's not exclusive, and that bar is actually featured in American Sniper. They oh, actually yeah. film, I think, two scenes in that uh, in the, where he where uh, Kyle meets his wife, and then I think there's another scene in there uh, maybe after a one of his buddies dies or something they're having to wait there but that that's the actual navy seal uh bu- pub they filmed it in there so i haven't been in there in a long time i think after i found out it was that i was like yeah just steer steer clear just give some people some respect they're trying to hang out and not get harassed or anything just have their own place to unwind so um plus it's an irish bar and a lot of irish bars you know I kind of outgrew what irish bars serve <laughs> Oh, in terms of alcohol is like I, there's only so much uh, Guinness and James Murphy's and, and yeah. Killian's Irish Red and maybe Guinness to drink. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. looking for the
0: IPAs that are uh, uh, abundant elsewhere in town. So yeah, and for anybody that's unfamiliar with San Diego, it's still very much a military town. I mean, it's it's a it's a huge metropolitan area, um, but with Pendleton and with uh, the uh, the Navy base that's right there on Coronado. Uh, just it's sailors all the time are constantly throughout that city so um and a lot of ex-military retirees are all there um like that live in the really nice spots in coronado and also in the foothills around san diego so um it's it is actually a fairly when it comes to voting fairly uh uh red city as far as california goes yeah um, it's not conservative but it's still republican yeah um and uh really great hi there's a really funny story i had a a friend whose mom went to san diego state um and when she was down there um just just because it's the military and that's just how those things go which again love the military uh it's just a really funny story is that she was like it's just like the worst cuz she she didn't necessarily care for the culture cuz she would walk into bars and just navy men would just walk up to her and just be like i'm in the military yeah with all and the comments like, in the world and who she's cares? like okay who cares <laughs> like but apparently that's how uh, they take people home sometimes so that's <laughs> all they got to do is just say i'm in the military and they just fit that vibe and all of a sudden girls are putty in their hands so uh <laughs> uh, so just kind of a funny story. I've tried to, I've been to a couple of bars, uh, a couple of, uh, uh, nightclubs in San Diego. And I was, I've tried to witness that. I've never seen it, but I was like, ah, oh, that'd be funny. I just chuckled myself. I wouldn't laugh the guy down or anything. I'd just be <laughs> like, Oh, I just would like to see that in action. I just didn't think it was that simple for the guys to pick up on chicks that way. So, uh, I think that'd be really funny.
1: Um, so yeah. So we're gonna be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and somehow cram as many places as po- as possible.
0: Yes, uh, we're gonna have a blast. Um, I will were... probably do the uh, probably...
1: taster at as many beer taster flight as possible, as many places that I've not been mm-hmm. to.
0: Colton will not be getting a taster; he'll be getting a full glass of something, <laughs> but. like it'll be like a glass and then it will be like okay let's move on to the next place because i mean the good news is that i've had a lot of the beers at a lot of these different places or and with and so it's it's nice to go get the one thing you want on tap or maybe to go try something new and then um you're like okay let's move on to the next one and and that kind of stuff so it'll be good i'm excited all right uh we'll bring back cans
1: yeah we'll have plenty of beer we've kind of gotten run low we had a nice collection in the uh go to hell refrigerator but it is it's run dry it's uh it's now pretty much stuff you can get in 12 and 24 packs
0: but we are drinking something
1: tonight yes but we're drinking something tonight
0: the Shaka west coast ipa from pizza port brewing company it also says fremont seattle on here so possibly a collab with fremont Um, don't see anything on here that says collab or anything but it just has both of their logos on there so um don't know uh really tasty um nice good west coast ipa it's straight up west coast um so it's got a nice bitter flavor um going through it so good stuff any thoughts on the beer Tim?
1: Yeah, it's got a really nice balanced bitter taste to it and it's it's very drinkable. It's 7%, so I would say it's a little bit of a, a little bit of trouble in a can.
0: We might uh we might be stopping by Pizza Port. We we were just kicking it around. Yeah, we're uh, still
1: trying to figure out there's a great deb- Not a great debate. There's a debate as the uh, a lot of the places that we're going to are will be nearest to where we can Uber or maybe even walk to. So
0: Yeah, and so we also got to figure out. But then there's
1: places that are on the exterior part, the exterior parts of San Diego. And so do we hit them on our way in? Do we hit them on our way
0: out? That kind of thing. Right, and just kind of depends on where we're going and what we're doing. So it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. Um, And
1: shout out, we'll be seeing our friend Nolan for the first time since he moved to Texas. So that'll be fun. Yeah, that will be fun.
0: Shout out, Nolan Jolly. Um, you've been listening to anything good or sorry you've been trying to segue this in like a little bit better than no <laughs> last week I jumped the gun and I didn't know you had an article that you wanted to read or whatever. oh that's so. fine uh... oh which you never responded to my statement that I gave you I texted you on the way home from, which d- don't text and drive people but I did text you on the way home and I said here's my issue with that article that we had this is our cleanup on aisle 5 <laughs> You got save for yourself this time. You got to clean up on aisle four. Clean up on aisle four. <laughs> clean up on aisle
1: four. <laughs> clean up on aisle five.
0: Clean up on aisle three. Clean up on aisle three. Clean up on aisle seven. Clean up on aisle seven. Ooh. Clean up in all the aisles. Ooh. The comparison that they made was they made, the connection that they made in the article was from Taylor Swift To Sting. And I'm sorry, those... Like, they're not the same level of pop icon. Like, they're not... You can't say... Like, nobody's sitting there thinking that... Like, yes, they're both pop icons, but Taylor... Like, you wouldn't compare Sting and Madonna. Right? And I would say that Madonna's more in the realm of Taylor Swift than... Than Sting is with Taylor Swift. Like... Uh, just because it's pop music doesn't mean that you lump everybody in together. Like you're not doing Michael Jackson with uh, like, again, like sting, like you're not comparing those two. And that's the King of pop with, you know, this other pop artist.
1: There's value. There's look, I think there's, there's certainly validity to that. I think, I think he was throwing Taylor Swift in, where my problem isn't the that she's pop and stings rock like uh prog rock when he's with police and then this kind of like jazz bluesy pop amalgamum when he's on his own solo it's not the it's not the style of music i would say the clumsiness is she is with maybe the ex with Beyonce maybe in her rear view mirror, she's by far she is the Beatles of today.
0: Yeah, but Sting was never that. That's that's my, that's my point. Yeah. Now that
1: person writing would probably say, well, but even then the Beatles had more literary which they did. They you you know, their lyrics had more literary you could tell that they had they were inserting books and stuff like that and it was much more literary I, but, uh, yeah it's just look one of the reasons i think i think to think <laughs> i think your criticism i think it's fair i also think it's being a little hypercritical he's just trying to make like a comparison to today and he's grasping at taylor swift i think the thing about pop music today music today is it shows the level to which rock music has fallen off the importance of what is popular today and there was a time where pop music was big and then and then you had rock music kind of come in and i think take hold of the youth and now rock's pretty much I mean, I sure there are all kinds of new bands that are out there. They're online; you can find them. They're just, but in terms of what's really being po- what's what's popular and what's being listened to, I'm sorry, rock music's pretty much like older people music, and pop music is what kids are listening to uh, by and large. If we look, I think at record sales and metrics on stream on music services, so uh, that I think's part of the part, partially that's the, the difference. Um, so, but yes, I mean, sting the police for about a two year period were probably the most or arguably the most, uh, popular rock band on the planet and, but not anywhere near to what Taylor Swift is. So,
0: yeah, it's, I, that was just kind of my thing where I'm like, I, Again, it's just going with the, you're evaluating Taylor's, the article evaluated Taylor's lyrics and the, what she uses for inspiration in her songs. And it was like, well, yeah, but you could do that with several other pop giants of the eighties. And you could sit there and be like, look, there's not literary, like, okay, that's
1: yeah. You're okay. You're fair. Yeah. (laughs) Madonna didn't have anything. It was, uh, to be, Pejorative about it. Her music was pretty much dumbed down. There wasn't any literal, literary, uh, anything liter- literary about it. Nor any of the other pop music that I can think of off the top of my head that was that was going through. There nothing. There was nothing literary about Mariah Carey when she was at the top. There was nothing literary about Whitney Houston when she was at the top. Any you know anybody you can pick, Celine Dion. Nobody was really doing. Um, so I, if anything, maybe it's not a sign of, I think that maybe then goes back to my point is that's more of a sign of rock music kind of falling off. And that's always been the place more of rock music, more than a criticism of the top pop artists or something. Right. And like, and, and, and it, it's probably someone listening to this says, yeah, I listen to this band and it might be even a band that you and I are, are aware of, but it's not popping into my head right now. And they're like, they got literary stuff in their lyrics all all the time. So right, right. Um, there's an article because you asked me what I'm I've been listening to this week, and it's somebody you and I, you and I have talked about. I don't know that we've nailed down what our thoughts are about this band. Uh, and this band is. Well, it's actually... It's an artist, although he has a band
0: behind him. Where is that? Here it is. It's an artist with a band behind him. So, I've been listening to Bruce Springsteen. Oh, okay. I listened to Bruce Springsteen on the way here. Oh, you did? Yeah, I listened to Thunder Road. <laughs> okay,
1: I have a love hate relationship <laughs> with Bruce Springsteen.
0: Sure. Uh... What is your love-hate relationship? Well, part of it's just... You're, like, master lyricist. Well... Sometimes.
1: Okay, I like early Bruce Springsteen up to about... maybe Born in the USA. But even Born in the USA, I think, is not on par with what he did before. Like, Nebraska is a seminal, like, top 100 album album. uh, the river is a phenomenal album yeah. and it's not just, it's him. It's his, it's him with his strange gravelly voice and the music, musicianship behind it. But the lyrics are also just much better. And then after, after about the mid eighties, it just turns into just some of the worst kind of, it's just terrible. Uh, and this article I was reading this week, I was, saying the same thing <laughs> this guy was basically channeling my what i think about
0: uh you just felt validated is really yeah hilarious. i did
1: and i shared it with our friend andy and there were a couple lines in there that made him laugh quite quite a lot as well I'm trying to find what they were uh oh here we go it's the opening of the article he says i once inadvertently torpedoed a bunning budding relationship when i told the girl in question that the boss was what rich people like to play to pretend they gave a damn about the working class. It hit a little too close at home. Word to the wise. Some of these Northeasterners take their Springsteen awfully seriously. So, and that's, I get tired of his blue collar thing. Cause I, I just find it contrived and bullshit. It's been that way for a long time, but whatever.
0: Uh, Tunnel of Love is another good album. Meanwhile, the majority of country musicians do that on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 it's different with him. It's,
1: it's <laughs> the true uh, the
0: troubadour is not able to be a working class man. <laughs>
1: Okay, here we go. The comeback album, *The Rising*, was better, but the sound was unrecognizable. He's talking about to the what he had before with his band. The band was beer, buried under glossy digital production, like the bastard spawn of Pearl Jam
0: and Train. Wow, that's hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> that means just so we're clear for those of you that don't understand. <laughs> That means you couldn't understand what was being said, but you knew that it rhymed. Yes, because right. train rhymes every one of their lyrics. <laughs> and but you can't ever understand what Eddie Vedder is saying other than oh, yeah. <laughs> uh uh Yeah, and then
1: the music was anyway. So I've been listen but I've been listening to Springsteen, I've been listening to the river. Uh over and over again. It's it's really good. It's featured in one of adam sandler's movies he's got several songs on it in one of his movies and sandler's always if you want if you're looking the that what 80s maybe early 90s 70s music to listen to just put in an adam sandler movie that you like and you will get uh deluged with really good music from that from those eras sandler clearly knows his music i i would love to see his music
0: collection at his house He's also fairly talented at playing music himself. He
1: is. And one in his movie Funny People, there's a scene where he's playing the guitar, I think, with uh, two guy, the two guys from Wilco, and they're just jamming out. It so. used to
0: be part of his stand-up bit where he did the Jewish... Uh, oh, yeah. Or the... he, yeah,
1: he, yeah, he would play uh, acoustic guitar. That was part of his shtick in stand-up, and then he'd do it on Saturday Night Live when he was on there,
0: too. So Yeah. Anyway, that's what I've been listening to. So it sounds like you've been listening to the same thing, or? I would listen to Springsteen on the way here, but I was, I I mean, it's, uh, we're just going to call it my dad's remix. Uh, so, you know, Springsteen, uh, Jackson Brown, and, uh, uh, and those guys of that nature. No, uh, who, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Why can't I think of his name? Seeger? Yeah, Bob Seeger. There we go.
1: See, okay, we have we have discussed this. I I prefer Seeger to Springsteen.
0: Yeah, uh, I like Seeger's sound uh, a little bit more. That's just uh, I just like the the way he sings. Um, The band I've watched uh, Eurovisions. thing that they did on bob seger and the silver bullet band and so that was kind of fun um just listening to him talk about just traveling on the road with the eagles and um hanging out with jackson brown and and just talking about all these guys and just writing music with them and and just doing all that kind of stuff in the early california um kind of vibe that they were setting uh there so uh it's a lot of fun. Um, and so I enjoy listening to that music. Like I said, it's kind of a specific, like I said last week, just kind of certain vibes just fit cer different times of your life and sometimes when you're just cruising, those are the best songs to toss on. So um
1: Yeah, and to be fair so I'll I'll be fair to Springsteen. That what the subjects that he does deal with, whether I think it's fake or not, but it resonates with people, the whole kind of blue collar um Blue-collar America that's been had its back turned on it. Uh, John Cougar Mellencamp taps into that a lot as well. Um, that resonates with people. It doesn't resonate with me. But what resonates with me with Seeger is he, in many songs, encapsulates that that peak, particularly if you're a male, that peak like late teenager. Going into your 20s, early 20s, just I'm invincible. Like, this is the peak of life. I'm going to conquer the world kind of feeling. he And he does that, like I said, in, in several songs. So, and particularly his most famous song. So, Night Moves is one of them, even though it's also a filthy, dirty song.
0: It's <laughs> a great song. And
1: then uh, Like a Rock, and there's a couple others that just tap into that. Just, again, a peak of life. I'm, I'm, I'm. Stepping out into adulthood and I'm taking on the world. So yeah, good times, good music. All right. So tonight's topic, Colton and I had, what would they call it? A breakout? It was a hub, a hub with the group we've talked about a couple weeks ago called the Jesus collective. And so it was on a, it was a zoom call and it was Colton and I and, I don't know, 40... Yeah, 40 people. 40 people. Uh, most of them somehow professionally tied into ministry, I would say. I I think there was uh, one person in our breakout group. She seemed to be also a layperson. But most of these folks are pastors or uh, consultants and kind of, that kind of thing. So they had a pastor on there who was... Going through seven, what was it, seven steps to lead people through being Jesus? I I wrote down all of his steps. I didn't write down the title.
0: It was uh, seven steps of, you know, to uh, induce change, um, how to start getting people to change in um, yeah. your area kind of stuff. Um, uh, and really, I mean, it was a great conversation for us to have, um, especially when... Uh, when we started this, we talked about a lot of our frustration is built up around, um, the things that we feel are not changing around us, um, where we feel like people are going to church on a daily basis and are completely content with their lives as they are and continually seeing the world as they want to see it, um, And when they go to church on a Sunday morning, they just want to take it and leave it and not be challenged and uh, try to progress forward in their faith um, and really challenge a lot of the ways that they live their lives and a lot of the ways that they view the world um, and looking at it through that Jesus lens or that perspective. Um, Because a lot of people take their life and then allow Jesus to kind of fit in there as opposed to really viewing it through the lens of Jesus Christ, and then understanding how to respond based off of that. Um, And so, uh, really getting frustrated with a lot of that change, and so this is something that apparently lots of people are going through. Um, And so, uh, we had a guy uh, come on today and really kind of lead the discussion about um, what his experience was, and he gave us seven tips for um, how to um really see the change going on around you and that kind of stuff so yeah so I, I think we figured we're good we'll go through these steps some of them won't resonate with
1: those of you who are listening we'll kind of skip by them um or maybe we'll just talk i don't know
0: we'll talk we'll about, them. about them. We got it.
1: yeah curtis if you're listening from home or your dorm wherever you're at off from college i don't know if that all these are going to resonate with you
0: man but it's okay super listener curtis that's right uh so step one lesson number one to learn is okay wait before we get started and we're gonna get into it but okay i think
1: this is gonna be the crux of our discussion
0: yeah, it is, but I, I still need to give background because some of this language is – okay, the – is difficult. Um, Not d- – d- Yeah,
1: I'm going to read the – I'm going to read his points verbatim. They're very churchy, and then I think what you're getting – And that at,
0: was also one of the things that I will say is today's discussion uh, did have – lots of churchiness to it um it was good uh it's just it reminded me of i was having like vietnam flashbacks to different church meetings and that kind of stuff where we talk kind of in this christianese um language and speaking um and depending on which sex uh s-e-c-t sorry uh what uh Branches, um, in which we've talked about, are not important um, as far as your faith is concerned. But uh, the way that they talk about different things is different. And so today, our particular guy that led us in the discussion is, uh, I think he said, when I was growing up, I, I never wanted to put my flag on anything. I never wanted to say where I was from. I never would have said I was this or that. And he was like, but now I'll 100% say that I'm Pentecostal. Um, and so he is significantly more charismatic than Tim or I. So uh, some of his language that he's going to use is he's really going to focus on the movement of the spirit um, and that whole element. So um just be ready for that. We're gonna we're gonna tackle that, but just know that this is the language that is often used with more charismatic churches. And if you're listening to this and you're from a charismatic church and you feel like we don't really talk about that stuff enough, uh, we'll kind of unpack that a little bit today too, as to why, you know, maybe we aren't that way and that kind of stuff. So.
1: Well, I I, I think for myself, when we get as we're going through it, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to lean in and challenge myself because it's been something that I recognize. Is not one of my, uh, one might say, gifts. If you're quoting from scripture or something, that's just not. I don't. I'm not really in tune with the spirit, probably as much as I should be. So, um, although I think I've shared on here the moments where I thought the spirit was very acute in <laughs> speaking to me. So, um, okay. So number one. I'm going to lean right into it. The spirit is the agent of change.
0: Okay. So the spirit is the agent of change is this idea that, again, there is nothing that we can do. Um, or th- And, like, that's always such a tough term. There's nothing that we can do.
1: I don't agree with that, but continue. I don't think that's what it means. But No, you- no,
0: no. I know. That's why I was like it. It doesn't necessarily mean that, but it's – everything that we do and everything that happens is through the movement of the spirit. Anything can potentially happen. There's a variety of different uh, outcomes, variables, blah, 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 that can happen, that can exist based off of the way that we act, we react. Um, Other things act or happen within our atmosphere, in our world, um, in our universe. And all of that can be related to the movement of the spirit. You can sit there and say that the spirit is moving across whatever. Um, and so sitting there and saying that we don't do anything without the spirit moving, if that makes sense. Um, and so that's a concept that's, that's around. Um, and so anytime that we are doing something – the spirit is doing stuff with us. So therefore it's it's very complicated, but that's kind of that element where it's not necessarily taking things out of your hands, where it's this, this predestined kind of element. It's just that anytime that anything is ever happening, the spirit is with it. um, As we acknowledge that God and his omnipresence um, is. So I don't know. That's, how I would tackle that, but Tim, how about you? So I'm gonna, I'm going to put words in Johnny's
1: mouth. He didn't say this. Um, he made it clear before we started today's discussion that he didn't want to talk about theology. I think he was part of the group who had come up with the five kind of tenets of the Jesus Collective movement, which you and I tackled about a month ago, a couple episodes ago. Um, read those out, explain them. I think he was part of the, on that team that came up with those he didn't want to have a dis- theological discussion about that He st- still instead wanted to tackle this so i'm going to read into a little bit of what those tenets are and something else he said later towards the end of the call where he 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 said the jesus collective is a neo-anabaptist movement so basically it's it Its roots are based more in Anabaptism Anabaptism it is than quote-unquote traditional Protestantism or it's not evangelical. I say that if you remember last week's episode, that's important because when we were going through the differences between uh, Protestantism and Anabaptism is Anabaptists were much more adamant that we were to go out and do in spreading the gospel and doing things and the protestants were much more particularly the calvinists were it's there's nothing we do it's all the spirit it's 100% the spirit and nothing else and the problem with both of those viewpoints is on the calvinist side that can lead to people just sitting back and going well there's nothing i can do so you know
0: right laziness
1: yeah, laziness and not not accepting that you're you part you're you're the agent that brings about the spirit because of a relationship you have with somebody who's not a Christian and you live out live out being like a live live out being like Jesus. On the other side, on the Anabaptist side, the problem is and this applies to Catholics as too, this can lead to an overestimation of the work that you are doing, because you're out there trying to lead people to Christ and falling and and falling into a trap that that's you doing the work and not the Spirit. So I think that the Spirit is the agent of change, is Him kind of laying down a marker to remind everybody, look, we're part of this. We're we're you know we're being active in our community. We're trying to change our community, whether that be church or. Uh, friend group or actual city that we live in whatever we're trying to be active in that and change it but it's ultimately the spirits that's doing the changing not us and to be mindful of that and i think that keeps us
0: grounded yeah i think it i think it's yeah yeah I agree with what you're saying that it's like this marker that he's putting on it. It's still just a little mm. uh again it's not really it's not about us um it's not about what we're doing it's r- it's really about god and his plans yeah uh but but it's not i don't know the hard part is still recognizing that yeah i guess he was making the comments for anybody that was sitting there thinking that they are doing this themselves if you're sitting there and you're thinking that you're the ones out there causing this change to happen or if you're sitting there and you're banging your head against the wall and you're feeling like this change is not happening and i'm doing all that i can right and it's like if the spirit's not in it then like change isn't gonna happen you know kind of stuff but again i i mean we listen we we started this podcast to have these hard hard conversations and like for me personally i don't necessarily i don't disagree but i'm skeptical of that kind of language for exactly those two reasons that I just said, where it's, where I've seen plenty of times where people are like, "Well, the spirit's not in it," and they did exactly what you just said, where it was like with the, the Calvinists, where it's just like, "Well, I mean, the spirit's not there," so right, we walk away, and then it's the other way, the other way around, you know, and so I feel like people can use it both ways if they wanted to. So that's just where it's kind of always difficult. All right, well let's let's leave that one as sure. Because I think the. Because yeah, because Colton's gonna get no, better as we go through. No, no, no. no, no, no I, I, know, the, I know. No, because
1: I think the next two points will lead us to where you're going. Um, okay, so point number two: get proficient in perceiving the presence of the Spirit
0: in our midst. Okay, so. We got put into breakout rooms today. Tim and I were separated. They were like, get these. Just a word of caution.
1: Only speak about what you said because I don't know if we should be sharing what other people said. Oh, I wasn't gonna share okay. what other people just, said. Just, I was just gonna do my I'll,
0: I'll cut that out of the podcast, but I know I, you can say that. And I was like, Yeah, I know that was all. Um So we're sitting there. I don't know how big <laughs> I don't know if that
1: was like a trust tree, but I I, <laughs> I assume even though we wouldn't mention names. I don't even remember the
0: names. I of the don't people. remember the names of the people But, but anyway. There. Okay. There were four uh There were four people in my group. We got put in groups. We had to be separated, Um, me and Tim. We were were wisecracking with one another the entire time, and people were (laughs) like, we got to separate these two. No, that isn't what happened. But um, We got put into groups, and we had to answer a certain set of questions based off of the seven things that were presented to us. Um, The guy talked for about, I don't know, like half an hour and 45 minutes.
1: Yeah, at least 45
0: minutes. And then we got to talk for about 25 um, with our groups. And the first question that they wanted for us to introduce on was, what is it that you struggle with of these seven steps? And I had access to all seven steps, and I knew exactly which one it was. And it's step two, which is being receptive uh, to the spirit and its workings. Um, the reason why I struggle with that, I, I mean... It's hard when you're there with a bunch of believers um, that are significantly more charismatic than you um, to where uh, the solution to that varies. (laughs) So, like, if I were to sit there and be like, well, I just don't really feel like I think somebody got it. I think some other group, and again, I'm not going to, We're not going to talk about what other people said. I'm just going to go off of it seemed like another group had this – got on that conversation where people were talking about, well, I'm just really in a dry spell right now um, because that was something that was brought up where I just feel like we're in this like spiritual desert and I'm not being very receptive to what's going on with the spirit and that kind of stuff. Um, And just so we're clear, if there's any of you that have ever felt that way, and you have gone to the church. The church will always give you the exact same solutions. What are they? You need to read your Bible. You need to pray more. Uh, you need to get involved in a small group. Those are your three.
1: Or right? you need to le- lean into the dry spell because you're like Jesus, who's or Paul has been. S- Jesus who's been sent out into the desert. Yeah, you're in the desert for 40 days. You know, to, to, as a like a cleansing and just
0: remember satan's gonna tempt you three times after you get back (laughs) from this right before you get out of it satan's gonna tempt you three times but also all of those dry spells have never been longer than 40 days so (laughs) that's that's just how that works no um yeah the dry desert aspect is in, in here's the here's the truth um i again my faith and people will question people's faith if you're sitting there and about to say what I'm going to say. where are again, just being very skeptical of that kind of language and just really understanding that people walk away from the faith because they're in dry spells and they don't feel like they're ever getting out of them. Yeah. They're like, seriously, I there are people that are like, I used to love the music, and then I come to church and I don't love the music anymore. I don't feel it. I don't feel connected to him when I'm singing I don't feel it like when we're praying, like I'm always, or like I've heard this one before, I zone out when the pastor's preaching, and I was like, who freaking doesn't? Like, our, <laughs> like the <what>? pastor <laughs> our, The
1: pastor who was there 25 years that everybody adored at our, at our previous church. Oh, yeah. He said, I, I vividly remember it because Danique and I were both stunned he both said he said in front of the entire church one Sunday, I've never had a voice or anything like a voice from God telling me to do something. And I was like, "Damn." <laughs> That's quite an admission from a pastor, and this is someone who was beloved and respected as much as a pastor could be. But it was just like, "Wow, I like I I wouldn't even go that far. There's been moments where I'm pretty sure God told me to do something.
0: I did not take that as he was less than me. It was just like, okay. Right. Um, And so, and there are people that you're going to go through your entire life and you may be in this, you may not have this youthful or this in tune connection that you may have had before. Youth camp. Yeah, exactly. This spiritual high thing. The Rocky Mountain High. And that's also where like today they kept referencing acts like a time or two and they were talking about like this is how the church like responded and that kind of stuff and I was like again and as skeptical I I'm still skeptical where it's like again these people are still believing that Jesus is coming back like immediately they're on this high <laughs> like they're on this high right um they just got to witness the greatest miracle of all time and so yeah no no shit they are believing with all of their heart and their mind that he's coming back like within the next day in the next three three hours or whatever. But if you've never experienced that on a regular basis and then right and you and at any point you can go look up Uh, you can look up what happens in some churches across America where, you know, uh, pastors are using the force on people, um, and they put out their hand across the audience and everybody flies back. Um,
1: I have a thing saved for an episode that's pretty, yeah, we should do it just for kicks.
0: Yeah. And so, um, and you're like, is that the spirit moving? Is that the change that we're looking for? Um, and I'm sorry, uh, you're not seeing Tim's eyes, but again, it's, uh, We're still very skeptical about it. Um, Just like again, just to
1: be clear, that's the kind of church. Those are the churches I grew up in. So yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and I mean, uh, and I mean, like we made jokes about it when the podcast first got started. But there's also people that believe that, and now they need to involve snakes in it. You know, like they're like, if you don't feel this, if you get bit, then you didn't believe in us. I was in hours long revivals
1: where people where in my presence, people swore their shorter left leg grew and became the same length as their longer right leg. So, I mean, I've been in those like people instantly healed. So I, I,
0: yeah. Yeah. And so it's, um, it's, (laughs) this
1: is okay. Your, your struggle is a fundamental problem. Okay. Let's just get bigger picture. Look, Jesus drops this Holy Spirit thing, and he never really says anything about it. He just is like, the Spirit's with you. Yeah, and I mean, like, well, and then... And then Paul and Peter, are, you know, right, off, right away are trying to struggle with it. And I'm sure everybody else whose writings and discussions aren't written down. And so...
0: Hype! <sighs> I- like i i think there's a lot to unpack with this where and what we're talking about now is just this idea of right because here's the here's the thing right jesus does jesus drops the mic you know he's like if you had faith even the size of a mustard seed then you can move the mountains right um and people are like or you will do greater things than these right those types of things that he says if you had faith then you'll you'll do great
1: you'll do greater things than i have
0: or it is it is your faith that has made you well right right and so that is where people and where we've seen it in and that people weaponize that right where we saw the the girl was like praying for you know her friend like Pouring over it, like I hope she gets cured of cancer. I hope, you know, I'm praying with all of. There's nothing more than I can give. Mm -hmm. And her friend with cancer dies, and people walk away because they're like, it says it right here in the book.
1: It's the whole basis of Christian scientism, which is we don't need science, we don't need medicine, we we rely solely on the power of
0: Jesus Christ. And if you die. Or if something bad happens on you, again, it's that whole concept. It's the will of God. It's the will of God. Or you must have done something wrong. Right. Which, again, is exactly what the Pharisees were thinking.
1: Exactly. You're just taking the faith back to what Jesus was trying to to tear down.
0: And so, again, kind of what I'm getting at here is there's kind of the status symbol, which, again, you you talked about a little bit ago where you said, like, when Bob— sorry, when the pastor at our church that was there for 25 years, when he got up there and he said that, you did not sit there and be like, I'm better than him. You know, It's not a status symbol if you are able to see the spirit move or you're in touch with it or you're in tune with it or whatever. And again, maybe you're in these what people call dry spells. But here's also the thing is when people say dry spells, Again, there are – people go through that just in regular life and not necessarily just in their faith. People go through – they lose interest in their hobbies. Like depression is we're, – we're finding out is a lot more widespread than we found before. And people are – or even then you get into a routine and things become mundane. Uh, people have this in their relationships with other people, right? This is the marriage that – where it's like I feel like I'm living with a roommate. You know, like those – that happens in other aspects of your lives, but yet people walk away from the faith in the same way that they're walking away from marriages, in the same way that they're walking away from life even, where they're pulling the trigger because they're just like, there's no joy or fulfillment in this anymore. And so how do you get that back um, if that's what you're wanting? But I'm saying that those are, there's life still. Um, but you have to you have to find it. Um, and I don't necessarily think that it's just read scripture, pray, do all this kind of stuff. Um, and I mean, like, I know people that have spent hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. They're like, they go on spiritual retreats and they're like, I'm still not feeling anything. I'm like, I'm having conversations or whatever, yada, yada. And maybe... I don't know. This is just a spitball, but I'm just saying maybe you have put too much emphasis into what, you, how you're supposed to feel in this faith aspect. And that is dictating how you're responding from there, right? Um, and that's kind of one of the things that they talk about with with relationships like marriages and stuff did you over romanticize some of these things right and you're like well yeah i could have over romanticized this and this and i thought it was going to be like this and i thought this was going to happen right like that's the whole joke with like guys where they're like i thought i was going to have sex every single night
1: um
0: (laughs) and yeah and every single morning and then they're like what uh you know like there's this over romanticization of Our faith and what we think is going to happen Um, when again it's and that's what I loved about us going through mere Christianity is that it's really looking at those basics and building from there and and I just am so cautious around this language of being in tune with the Spirit and that kind of stuff that being said I do think that it's something that I struggle with I do believe in the Holy Spirit And what it does, I believe that it works through me, um, through – and I think one of the best ways to see is if you're sitting there and you're thinking, at least for my job, where I'm not sitting there and I'm giving salvation talks every single week, right? Like I'm not a pastor that's getting up and I'm saying like this to a congregation and I have you know charts where I can see growth, baptisms, all that kind of stuff. I can – I can pull all those numbers up at any point that I want to. I don't have that in my job. Instead, what I have is I am loving teenagers um, every single day, um, except for the summers. Uh, <laughs> Regarding you your sabbatical, yeah, we'll, I'm get, to we'll oh, get to that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> I am giving them love, care, and affection, mm-hmm. and showing them the same love that Jesus Christ has given me. Um, and so, just maybe, my challenge to myself is trying to be more in tune with that because sometimes, um, and really underst- and seeing what those relationships are doing for me, and for those people, um, for those kids, um, and and see the change that's happening there, um, because that's that's where I'm gonna see it. If I see it anywhere, that's where it's gonna happen. Um, I could have it in my relationships that I have with my friends and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm looking for different things from those relationships where they're more challenging, more um, provoking, uh, where it's like, hey, you know, uh, adjustments in my character and that kind of stuff. But I'd say that for, for the part where I'm sitting there and I'm loving teenagers on a regular basis, I want them to, you know, I want to see, hopefully, they sit there and they say that was a positive experience was being in Mr. Pierce's class and and he made me feel loved and cared for and and that's what's important and maybe through that the kid might have changed or some slight change in their life or maybe some point later on they have a different conversation with me my dad's married kids that he taught um, where they came back and they were just like, "Hey, like we heard that you were youth pastor at one point. Would do you mind like marrying us?" And he'd be like, "Absolutely. You guys were a couple of my class, and I loved having you guys and all that kind of stuff." And so, um, so I think that those types of things, I I think they'll happen eventually. Or, um, but it's just hard right now, especially when you move jobs every couple of years, <laughs> to really see that long term change. So that's how I plan on trying to be more in tune with the spirit and my occupation in my life how about you tim i feel like i unpack that a lot so you can give your two cents on it i so
1: again i think the problem is it's an issue i don't know how much of a problem it is well it's a problem in that we make it a problem Look, Jesus, again, is vague about the Holy Spirit. He just says this thing's going to be with you, but he doesn't give uh, any parameters. doesn't give us a user manual. He doesn't give us really even a description of what it is and what it's supposed to do. And we, being humans, like to have answers to everything, and so we quickly try to define and categorize and say what it is and what it isn't and so sure if you're on the more charismatic side of christianity which i am not colton's not it can be seen as it's this emotional thing like it's almost well as colton i'll use colton's language even though and this might this is probably unfair i don't mean this is a pejorative to charismatics but it's almost like this romantic thing where it's it's giving us the the warm fuzzies in our faith and neither one of us are motivated by that warm fuzzy feeling that i think some people feel from the spirit uh probably my wife is a little bit more on the side of the warm fuzzy feeling that the spirit gives people. But I think you and I, Colton, are more, our faith is more intellectual. Um, It's not spiritual. But I would also say, when I read this, I, I don't know how the presenter meant, I don't know how he defines the spirit. And he didn't, to his credit, he didn't define it either. He didn't go out of his way to define it. And maybe we're reading too much in because we're just assuming because he's Pentecostal, he's or it's just or it's just or it's style. just associating
0: the language that we've heard before, right? Style. Um, when I when I read, get proficient in,
1: I'm I'm just going to be really practical about number two, and 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 it's my I'll just say it's my spin, it's my interpretation. When I when I read, get proficient in perceiving the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst, after accepting that the Spirit is the agent of change. I read that as the Holy Spirit being intuition and having situational um, kind of empathy, emotional intelligence to read the room of relationships that we're in. Let's just accept, all right, I'm in a relationship with somebody, uh, one of our friends is an older gentleman. He's grew up Catholic. He's like a lot of Catholics. He just he's agnostic. He doesn't really have time for religion. Uh, he's noted that he felt because he was that way. And he, you know, when Colton and I started this podcast, he thought we were going to have a problem with him because he's agnostic. And I was like, no, I could. It's the farthest from the truth. And so, anyway, uh, I don't go out of my way to witness to that person. But in when my way of trying to bring people to Jesus is act like a Jesus follower, be like Jesus and not wear. and some of you might be different. If you're listening to this, I don't wear my faith on my sleeve. I don't run from it. If people ask me, I stand up and proudly say, hell yeah, I'm a Jesus follower. Right. But I don't feel I'm going to win them over by at this point in society pretty much anywhere around the world people have heard about jesus they kind of have an idea of who jesus is they they got they got the basic story um but even if they haven't they're going to be won by your generosity and your your generosity of spirit i don't mean like giving money away but generosity of spirit your for, your forgiving nature your loving nature that kind of thing And I read number two as being attuned to them saying, hey, uh, can I explain why you're different than somebody else? Or what animates you? Or I hear you go to church. Uh, Where do you go to church? Those kind of things. And and being like, okay, the Spirit's telling me now I can open up to this person and be open to them. Yeah. Um, and for other people, it might be like, no, they're gonna wear it on their sleeve, and they're gonna be into, they're gonna let the spirit hang out and let the spirit do all the leading, and be very open, and hope that the spirit's like dripping all over people. But I just take that more of, again, intuition to in my the relationships with people I have, uh, either Christians or people who've fallen away from the faith. But you know, I wouldn't say aren't Christians, but are. are uh, in one of those dry spells you're talking about and just being attuned to them maybe needing either me responding to something or being attuned to say hey have you when's the last time you were been to church or have you ever been to church maybe it's maybe the spirit is leading me to actually do the one that says hey how about this you know i've thought about that but you know I've had this this view of church and people go to church and all that okay well once you go with me on a Sunday?" Um, so I think that's how I look at that, but I completely agree. I mean, that said, the whole spirit thing is a struggle. It's, it's a weakness of mine. I, I would, I would even say I accept it. It's, it's a weakness of mine to some extent. Um, so
0: yeah, I, I think that what you're saying is good. I, I like that you're coming at this with more of a practical thing. I think that just based off of the background that um I've had is always just like I think maybe and even just today, like I said earlier where I had like this kind of these Vietnam flashbacks of of these board meetings that I would sit in, um and today was good. It was all about you know personal growth and building and all that kind of stuff, and really having these conversations with believers and trying to grow in our thoughts and our thinking together. Um, and again, the people that are with us, um, several of them have written books. Uh, some of them are writing books. Um, they're doing research and development. Um, and oh yeah, I, I, are... I want to bring that up. I forgot.
1: <laughs> I wanted to bring that up. That was. The one that thing that the Australian lady brought up was quite interesting. Anyway, keep going.
0: Two jackasses do a podcast. Apparently, I don't know. Yeah, Um, (laughs) that whole group. Uh, So we are all collaborating and working together, and that's uh, kind of the mindset. And even when we're all there and all forty of us are together, and we're not in a breakout room, you know, you can add to the conversation. You can ask questions. Um, You can chime in and that kind of stuff. Um. I think just for me like there's parts of me that shut down um when some of that language is used and I just need to be better about that where it's it where again this guy was using this language and maybe I wasn't using it as and and Tim was like I'm going to be practical about this and you know see where I can use this and that kind of stuff and I do whereas me I I think I leaned into it more of just being like, okay, this feels like another like kind of, it was good for anybody that like, if you're, if you're thinking that I didn't enjoy what happened today, I'm just saying that for me, probably some of the pushback that I'm giving is based off of this idea that I was shut down because the language that was used that I just was like, I was like, Oh no, is it one of these things again? Um, but the conversation was so good and, and being able to discuss and a lot of the things that we unpacked from there, but we didn't focus when, when we continued the conversation, a lot of the focus wasn't on those first couple of steps. It was really about some of the stuff that was at the end. So, yeah. But, um, yeah. So I think that that's good. And I'm learning more from this conversation even right now and trying to grow and develop through that. So,
1: uh, okay. Number three, <laughs> this is very like academic churchy, uh, I don't know how much time we'll spend on this one. When we discern, there's a very church word. When we discern where the spirit is moving, our job is to experiment with with the spirit. I have no idea what the hell that means. And and the measure of our success by new learnings and shifting imaginations. Okay. All right. Uh, Our job is to experiment with the spirit. Maybe that's just literally what I just did by trying to be practical with it and Re- redefine it as intuition and less so much like a warm, fuzzy, like non non drug induced.
0: See that one. Pie. I th- see that one. I felt was fine. It was more like, for me, what I got from that one was try stuff. Like that was it. It was like once you see, you know, change is starting to happen. Right. You're now seeing that the spirit because, again, we said that the spirit is the element of change or whatever. It's the um, it's the catalyst of change. We need to. And now we're in touch with we know that change is starting to happen. Try stuff. And that's where he was talking about, hey, we tried things and it did not work. But I would have never known like, you know, that kind of. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, I guess like, so.
1: And I, that was an important moment. If you, And if you're listening to this and you just go to church and you're not part of leadership, this is, I think, a good a good little growth moment for you, if you're if leadership tries something out and it's a huge failure, don't don't like draw all your wrath and ire at them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, great change and and great experiment, uh, great change and and invention doesn't happen without catastrophic failure. And so I think a lot of times in our churches we want like all the trains to run on time, but we also somehow want our trains to like exponentially get faster and more efficient every year and all that. it's like, well, that only happens without us trying something different and it just what? flopping terribly. But so often you and I had, we don't experience this at the current church cause we stay out of that crap. But at the previous church, it was like, you know, anything new that flopped, it was like, you were going to hear about it on Monday with a million calls and a million emails of like, How dare you? And this, that, and the other. And it's just like, okay, well, we can just stay muddled in the same old, same old, like we've been doing for 120 years, or we can try something. And sometimes it's going to fail miserably.
0: And also remember that like, uh, churches collaborate on a regular basis. Um, They are collaborating with people up and down the state, around the world. Um, And so there are things that are working for churches in other places. And so your pastoral staff may sit there and say, oh, let's give this a try. And they try it, and nobody... Like, is onto it and it could flop and be miserable. Okay. Um, and you, you could have the same demographics, but it's just the way that your congregation responded to that particular thing, um, can cause things to just flop and just end miserably. It doesn't mean that it wasn't a good idea and that it shouldn't have been tried or whatever. It just means that just those people just weren't into it. Uh, it's kind of a funny thing. Our youth pastor growing up was 100% sure, like, he was. He was adamant because like, we would go to leadership conferences and we would go to different things um, and pastors would give him recommendation. And he was like, "Nope, that just will not fly. And they're like, well, like based off of your demographics, based off of your numbers that you have, like this will work. And he was like, nope, like you just don't really understand how Tulare works. Like, it, <laughs> like the youth in our town, like he's like, we go to Hume Lake everybody's got their hands up and then there's like the Tulare crew. That's all just like sitting there. Nobody's singing. Like it's just all of us just like standing there solemnly, you know, everybody's on the spiritual high. And then there's uh Tulare, uh, first Baptist church just all sit there all in black clothes, you know, <laughs> just like we're the emo crew. Um, so except emo means emotional. And none of us are getting emotionally yeah. involved at all. Uh, so just kind of a funny thing. Uh, so that's, that's true. Just know that those things can happen at any time. It's all just it's cultural, um, and well, so
1: I, we've mentioned our friend J C, who was on staff for a while. I think that was part of he had no problem trying out something new and seeing if it didn't work. If it didn't, okay, move on. Yeah, love that. And man. that was part part of the reason why he didn't really fit at that church. And I think that's why he ultimately just one of probably many reasons, but it just like for some reason, church people just expect stuff to work and again if you just if you show up on Sundays or maybe you're kind of nominally involved like leading a small group or something but you're not really in leadership you got to give your leadership a wide berth in in failing now if your leadership stands up and wants to pretend something wasn't a failure and be like nope it worked great we just decided not to do it that's where you hold them accountable but if they're willing to own it and say yeah we tried it, it didn't work we're going to move on to something else Pat them on the back. I mean, that you, you should be open to that kind of thing. So. Yeah,
0: I think that anytime time that any – whatever organization that you're a part of, if leadership went, they put the time, the effort, and they did it right, okay, then they cannot – and it flopped based off of public participation. That's not on them. Right. Right? If they did the work – they, they ran the numbers. They did all this kind of stuff. They're like, this should be successful. They focused on it. They ran it through. It's not this half ass thing that they threw together, right? Um, which is funny because, I mean, like these big churches can like – they could half-ass something and everybody shows up. Right. Um, but for some of these churches where it's like if they could put in months of work into something and it could flop. Um, and that's devastating. And so if you sit there and you rake them over the coals after that, that's, that's not helpful. That's not right. But also something that I would encourage is that it takes your participation. Um, again, you are a part of this community. And so if you want it to be successful, if you want those events to be successful, then you need to participate in them. Yeah. So you become that person that's like, okay, like I had plans this Friday night, but, you know, this event's happening and I'm – on leadership here and so I should be a presence there. It doesn't mean that your life is made up in the church, right? I still believe that there's a healthy thing where you need to step aside and not necessarily be a part of everything. But still, there's an element of you need to be a participant um, when things are happening so that way things can be successful and it's not on just those people to carry it all the way through. So, um, and that's usually what uh, attributes to their success. So okay. Okay. allow f- for churches to try things is what I would suggest.
1: I'm going to, but I, as we've been discussing, I've been rethinking this. I'm going to now focus on the back half of this and how actually now that I'm looking at it, how profound this is. And you reminded me as you were re- out reg- no imagine. regurgitating what hit, how he expounded on the point. Uh, our job is to experiment with the spirit and this is the key part measure our success by new learnings and shifting imaginations and this is something colton in particular has hammered on a lot in the podcast it usually comes up when we're talking about it always comes up when we're talking about church ink whether it be related to worship or youth or whatever we start getting in the nitty gritty of how church works and all that kind of stuff, the dirty insides, the business side of it. I think this is really important. This actually, I won't go into detail. This came up in our breakout group, but you and I have both been com- uh, critical. You in particular, correctly, of churches get into a problem. It either happens short term or it happens long term. Um. I related to this when I talked about Hillsong. When you start fixating on growth in headcounts or growth in income, you are destined for some kind of catastrophic failure at some point. And I'm not saying that that means that church is going to die or implode. But in terms of a big kingdom discussion, that probably means at some point, yeah, you got a lot of people sitting in their seats and you got money coming in somehow, but you are not generating anybody. You're not really generating people of substance. And so I think what his point is, get out of the mindset of money's in, money's out. We got 20% more growth in terms of people showing up, youth groups up, children's ministries up. Think of new, Because we're thinking about how the Spirit is moving through the church, moving through the movement, wherever you're at, we now have to get out of this human, very, very enlightenment, uh, modern, consumeristic. consumeristic mindset of, let's crunch the numbers, and if the numbers don't add, then we're clearly failing. You might be... We've told this story before. At the church we're at, the predecessor of our current pastor... Uh, our current pastor was on staff at the time, but his predecessor just decided, had a change of heart. Basically, I think before even before this was a Jesus collective thing, he had a Jesus-centered reorientation. Stood up one Sunday and told the church, we need to completely change what we're doing. And the motto of this church now is, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And within at least a year, maybe six months, half the church had left because he had basically told them all of these little things that you hold on to that are central to your faith don't mean a damn and we're not going to hold on to them. And people got upset about it and half, and they had literally had a church split. I'm sorry. From a kingdom standpoint, with all due respect to those people who left and were upset about it. That is a kingdom win. Yeah. Every other metric within our society would say you lost half your revenue, you lost half your customers and you lost half your revenue, you're a failure. But that church has since grown back and it's brought in people who are in line with what that pastor envisioned. Uh, The pastor unfortunately died of cancer very suddenly after that. Our current pastor is taken the mantle and run with it and held firm to it. The church is better than it's ever been from, again, a Jesus-centered, Jesus-collective point of view. And that's where that mindset has to come in and say like, no, we're going to judge success differently. And the problem is, I think, (laughs) you know, it's numbers are easy. And when you're not dealing with numbers, I think everybody who's trying to be faithful to what success is is trying not to fall into the trap of self-adulation and say, well, you know, we're doing this better. I get this feeling we're doing this better and we're doing that better. And so really you're just as much of a failure as reading things by the numbers. And so that's where it gets difficult. But I think what uh, Johnny is saying is absolutely accurate. We've got to look at new ways of what is actual growth. Okay. Okay. Number four, I don't know how much time we need to spend on this. You should expect resistance. Um, Yeah, that's...
0: I think, uh, yeah, we talked about plenty about the resistance that we're going to get, especially when you're trying to do change. Um, I think what was good, though, is, and something that we had talked about in our breakout group and what had been talked about with the large group, is you don't expect the resistance that you get Yeah. Um, so like you should expect resistance, but sometimes you're like, you get it from the people that you may have bought in on the change with, but all of a sudden you get to do women belonging leadership in the church. And all of a sudden walls come up and resistance happens, right? right? Like you guys were good, everything's fine. And then one specific thing sticks out and all of a sudden somebody digs in their heels and it's like, Whoa, we were running right and you stopped (laughs) um and yeah relationships are some have been broken uh because of this and so it's just kind of one of those things so um completely understandable this
1: is something you and i both lived out (laughs) yeah for sure uh okay form rhythms personally and corporately that, that help us live healthy and sustainable lives um one of the notes that I wrote down for this one kingdom leadership creates wounds and fatigue, but there's a difference between leading from healed wounds and festering wounds. So, uh, that one hit home for me, actually got a little bit emotional and realized there's still some festering wounds from things that have been talked about amply on here. And I can't even articulate what those are, but, uh, clearly they're, they're there, which is why I'm not in in leadership and doing this podcast instead. (laughs) but, uh, from a 20,000-foot perspective, I think this is one church has probably always dealt with. But we're clearly seeing... I think now church probably always had a hard time dealing with this. I Probably in an older period, particularly like 100, 200 years ago, when people didn't really have as many vocational options as they do now it was harder to move if you were in one of these seasons where you needed to take a step back for a couple years or whatever you didn't have that option and so what did that happen that led to somebody leading a church who probably shouldn't be leading a church and i think we're seeing that now today with I I, I i haven't i don't have any numbers in front of me but i've seen recently the number of pastors that are just leaving the ministry altogether and i think it's burnout and we have look we have a terrible america is is either singular or there are very few countries like america maybe japan or korea that is as driven as we are in our work life europe is much has europe and canada have a much better work home life, uh, you know, we wear it on our badge of honor, how much harder we work than other countries around the world. It shows this level of productivity and all that. I, I don't agree. Um, I only I, work it,
0: half of the year. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about.
1: And I think we do that to our pastors as well. Um, and I think this is one of those areas where church, if it's going to continue has got to continue, continue to think differently and i think part of that this the pastor who was talking today is part of a co-leadership uh model which doesn't work for everybody that's uh but yeah i don't i'm probably at our church there's people who are pissed off about the number of times our pastor's not preaching
0: but i see it as healthy um because burnout is a thing yeah i think I think people need to understand, yeah, and especially for some of these pastors at some of these churches where uh, there's a church in town, um, it's a Catholic church in town, where they uh, they do nine services on Sundays, nine services, four, or no, I think it's three in English, six in Spanish. And it's the same priest. He's up there and he's given the same spiel nine different times. And he goes every single Sunday. Everybody knows Father. Um, I can't remember his name. Um, and it's crazy. Um, and But here's also the thing about pastors is the job description can be infinite. As to the things that they are responsible for. They are business leaders in some aspects. They are teachers. They are, are counselors. Counselors. They are people that have to go, you know, visit people in the hospital. They gotta do home visits. They gotta go do X, Y, and Z. And there's not and we don't put if if you're listening to this and you're on a board. Um, one of the greatest things that I can encourage you to do is to encourage the opportunity for your pastor to put boundaries around or you on the board, put boundaries around what it is that your pastor is supposed to be doing. Um, and then you provide staff. That's if the budget allows staff that then is able to support in those areas to where um, We threw around this term head pastor for so long, but now what you're finding is that there are what people call teaching pastors People get up and they'll say I'm one of the teaching pastors on staff. I'm not the head pastor on staff I don't do every job underneath the Sun that this church has to offer Which it seems like sometimes pastors are asked to do instead uh, They're like I'm a teaching pastor here. So my focus is I come here. I help with uh, the Sunday service really help establish the curriculum for small groups, that kind of stuff. And they're able to focus in on this very particular part of the job um, and for that to be successful. And that's what I would highly encourage anybody to do um, with their pastoral staff is encourage them to do that if you have the space and the the monetary means to do so is to find ways to stretch your budget and get – I know – that money makes or that not money makes um what what is the term that i'm looking for people involved in a company are considered what like in monetary means that's uh shareholders no 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 employees Um, yeah but it's employees but that's not usually the term right it's But sure. Okay. Employees make up the majority of a budget, right? Like that's a large part of spending is based around that. If you look Mm. at anything, um, that's how that works. And I get that. And so you may be sitting there and you're like, we don't have the ability to do that. We can't just pay like 20 people to be working at our church. But still, if you can't afford to have 20 people working at your church you still need to make sure that the job description of the pastor is still something within a plausible um area that that person can function within and not just have not just burn out this person from both ends to where and you'll see it if they don't walk away from the faith then something else is going on at home or they have some messed up personal lives or whatever, something else is getting neglected somewhere else in their life because of how much time they're having to invest and in going to all of these things and participating in all of this work that they that the congregation is expecting of them to do. Yeah,
1: which then leads into a vicious cycle because if something happens at home, then they feel guilty because they weren't at home to deal with it, and so it's it's not good. I would also say if you're a pastor, I don't think pastors lead to it, maybe pastors listening to this, this, or if you're just a layperson who's involved in this, this extends to you too. It is perfectly fine to do something for a couple of years and then say, I need a break. And if they guilt you into staying, Oh, we need you. You're critical. Look, <laughs> sorry. Everybody's replaceable. You might be doing exactly what needs to be done. You're phenomenal. You're in children's ministry. The children that for whatever age group you're in respond to you, there are other people who can step in and, uh, churches I think often I, the church we were at before it was notorious it was even it, it was it was known within the leadership to, a, to its credit but there was no solution of just burning people out or the, the worry that we were burning people out and if you're on the board the elder group whatever the the leadership team is that extends to you I was on mine for 10 maybe 12 years and in retrospect that was entirely too entirely too long uh when we redid when i was in charge of redoing the bylaws we flirted with putting a cap you know like a cap of seven years we ultimately didn't do it um partially because you know you're running one i i prefer culture kind of set things than having rules artificially set them Um, There also might be a situation where you don't have people to step in and so you're just artificially forcing people off your board and putting new people on just because the bylaws require it. But if you're, I would say, a healthy run organization, um, don't overspend your leadership team too, particularly if it's dealing with a lot of heavy stuff like change or replacing (laughs) pastors or whatever. Because it is just as much can be just as much of a weight as it is on the staff um, when they're grappling with it. So, OK, uh, da, 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 da. number six, this is this one. And he prefaced this by, by saying this is an odd one. It doesn't really fit in with the rest. But as soon as he said it, I laughed out loud. Fortunately, we were all on mute. Competence develops Credibility. To which I say, A-F-ing man. <laughs> um, in fact, I think I even put in the chat, I said, if leadership isn't perceived to be credible or isn't credible, or it isn't perceived to be competent or isn't competent, those who are resistant to your change will become more vocal And more resistant to what's trying to happen.
0: Is that politics in a nutshell?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. So, uh, what does competence look like? You know, if you're running a church, that means things running smoothly on a Sunday. You're not, you know, volunteers are showing up. Everything's ready to go, blah, 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 blah. If it's in a personal setting, it's just you being. Competent enough to describe, uh, you know, if if you if you fancied yourself as trying to lead people into a Jesus centered relationship, sorry, you need to be you need to read or do it in front of the mirror. But when you're when that spirit moment comes and someone says, What does that mean? you've got to be able to credibly articulate what it means because if you can't articulate it, then why the hell is someone going to listen to you and say, Oh, okay so uh you know, that goes all the way from the micro level all the way up so if you're listening to this and you're not in leadership but you're interested in being a change within your ecosystem of friends and work colleagues or whatever hone your skills know what your message is doesn't need to sound prepared but when you're asked questions be able to answer those questions And if you can't answer a question, be able to do it credibly like that's a difficult question. The church has always struggled with just have a competent answer, even when it's a difficult one, that there's not really a good answer. But just be able to look at that person and competently say, yes, no, this is what it is, or I don't have an answer to that. And frankly, any Christian who says they do, I'm not really sure. And that will go a long way to the person you're talking to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think Tim hit this one really well. I, think, yeah, I I think that's just how trust is established is like if you seem to know what you're doing, then people will follow you. Um, but the, the less the less you show, um, then the less confident people are going to be in you. Um, it's always hard when you're new to a position um, or you're newly starting um, stuff out. People really don't know where to go um and so uh keep pushing through um and you'll find that people will follow you. Um but also still be open to criticism and make sure that you have people that are checking on you uh throughout the way to be like, "Hey, this is you know, I'm not saying that you give in to every single, but have that trusted few that are just like, "You're doing great. Um let's just do a couple tweaks here and there um for your confidence um to be able to instill confidence so
1: yeah i mean credibility is again credibility goes back to uh what we talked about with failing credibility doesn't mean you hit everything and you knock everything out of the park and everything yeah you come in and whatever changes you're making let's say to sunday mornings happen that's not it credibility also is just like what we talked about before, something epically failed and you'd be able to sit down with the church and say
0: I didn't half ass it, <laughs> you know. Or like... you
1: just say we you know what? We it might yeah, we didn't half ass it. It just didn't work. Or it might even be, you know, we thought we could do this, but the model that it was on required a lot more resources and we tried to do it with less resources and that clearly was a failure. Uh, I will say out of experience, when you are, when you are vulnerably honest with people as a leader, particularly those who are opposed or skeptical of where you want to go, they will, they will either they will you'll either sway them to your position or they will reluctantly fall in behind you and and decide not to be the not to be a resistance to change. And I you know that happened at the church we were at before when we were trying to make changes to the bylaws. There was a lot of people there was I think initially like twenty percent of the church was very skeptical. and we had numerous meetings. I had personal meetings with people who were opposed to it. And every single time, I went out of my way to hear what they had to say, repeat to them what their point of view was, and do it do so in a uh, accurate and honest and non negative way. So, not impugn to them negative motives. Even when I thought maybe some of them were just resistant to change, I, you don't need to don't accuse people just being resistant to change, Accept accept their position, and say, I see value in what you're trying to hold on to. And I see specifically here is the value of how we're doing things now. However, we need to change things to move. And when they hear that, look, if they're you don't sell them on that, then they're just frankly just being hard hearted and you're not going to sway them anyway. But a lot of times they will, and they will see you as credible. And I still have, I don't have personal relationships, but those people still reach out to me. And I am very honored to say they they always tell me, when you spoke, we always thought you were being honest with us and credible. And that's a lot. Frankly, that's the problem with politics in this country, is we don't have people who own up to things. We don't have people who are willing to say, I made a mistake 10 years ago. I'm now changing my mind, and here's why I'm changing my mind. I'm not just changing my mind because I think it's going to win me votes, but this is why I made the decision 10 years on this vote or this policy decision. I now see that it was wrong, or maybe it wasn't wrong then, but now it's not meeting the needs of the country now. We don't have people who are willing to say, I made made a mistake or I'm willing to change, and therefore they don't sound credible, and it all sounds insincere. And an attempt to buy votes. Yeah. And church should never be that way. And it certainly shouldn't be that way in personal relationships. No. If you're there trying to beg, borrow, steal, uh, emotionally manipulate someone who's a a friend of yours, who you truly love dearly, but you're trying to emotionally guilt them or something into being a Jesus follower... Uh, going back to number one, you're not allowing the spirit to be the spirit of the the thing that does the agent of change. So yeah. All right. Number seven, remember the gift of your calling. Uh, I was going to be short shrift about that, but it just look, if you're listening to this and you're a Jesus follower, you have a calling, you have a purpose. If you don't know what that is spend some time thinking about what that is it doesn't have to be something within a church it doesn't have to be something either professional or non-professional within an organization of a church but you have some kind of calling you have something specific to give to the kingdom of god to what jesus is trying to do in building his kingdom now not in heaven find out what that purpose is whether it be really good with the guitar, whether it be empathetic to people who, because uh, empathy you know, whatever that is, find out what it is and live it out and lean into it. And then going back to one, let the spirit work through you in that purpose, within that gift to bring people to Jesus and make this world a better place.
0: Yeah, really lean into, always when it comes to when people talk about these gifts or these callings, um, always what we recommend is just lean into what it is that you like to do and and what you can do through that process. Um, it, you may be sitting there and you're like, I've never really been good at anything, but I I'm a welder and I've got a welding equipment at my house and <laughs> I've known people who've done crazy things uh, and have given them to homeless communities um, or they've just offered their time. Uh, Carpenters have been able to give up their uh, times and what they've been doing. Somebody's like, I've got a lawnmower and I'm able to mow lawns. Um, And so every Saturday I go out and I mow somebody else's lawn or whatever. um, And I do it all for free and that kind of stuff. Those are all things that that go a long way into the building of the kingdom. Those,
1: I, I, yeah, I want to put a, I want to emphasize that because I didn't mention that. and I'm glad you did. Some of the most profound stories I've heard from people in church or outside of church are just the fact that somebody at a church that they knew was a church person who was older or whatever they were, they were having physical problems couldn't move out of their apartment or needed something moved within their apartment or whatever. And Jesus people showed up and helped them move things or mow their, all those little things you were mentioning. Those things can be much more profound than leading a small group and leading people through trying to think through, you know, what Paul was talking about in Timothy.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, actually, this is a great thing that I, uh, That I know about, and maybe you're sitting there and you're extremely annoyed uh, with... With Tank. Thanks, Tank. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I'm annoyed with the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses that show up to my house. But uh, actually, one of the things that they are taught in their ministry school and teachings is... uh, And they say that the best way to start a conversation is they're like, if you see somebody out working in their yard, go help them work out in their yard. Like, mm-hmm. uh, my wife was out pulling weeds, and uh, and two Jehovah's wit. Uh, no, I think they were both Mormon. They showed up, and they were like, "Hey, can we help you out?" Like, and they were ready to roll up their sleeves and help her. And she's like, "I'm actually just finishing," um, you know, and she like she's not interested or whatever. But, and also for them, like that's not it either again they're they're focused on that kingdom aspect as to what it is that they're they're trying to do but also how great is it if we were those types of people where it's like we're not necessarily trying to get here to present this (laughs) message to you we just want to establish that relationship and we want to help you in your time of need and you're out here uh, working away and having this can we help you out you know and you see those things um and it and again there's a lot of people that are out there and they're they believe that they're not good at anything or whatever. Again, lean into those hobbies, those things that you like to do um, and see how you can use them for good. We've always, we always talked about that with any volunteers that came through youth ministry. We would sit down with our, our, uh, our volunteers and we'd just be like, hey, whatever it is that you like to do, we just ask that if it's something that you're interested in, ask the guys group be like hey is anybody interested in going to the lake and fishing this weekend we're taking like me and uh uh this other guy we're going and uh we're we're taking a car or you know and so we got five seats in the car so there's up to five boys that can go or whatever and they take them or they're like we wanted to build this uh or we had this guy who was really good at woodworking and he was like i want to take a t- some time and uh, we had heard about, uh, him and he took some time and built skateboards with the kids on, uh, um, in the garage at, uh, TFPC. And so that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, there was one spring break where me and a buddy, uh, who's a science teacher, uh, we took a couple of boys and we built, uh, a NASA has it on their website where you can, um, build a bottle rocket launcher. So we built it with like a bike pump, some plywood, a rubber stopper, and a hose. And and we built a bottle rocket launcher. And uh, me and a bunch of junior high kids all uh, one spring break just blew up rocket bottle rockets up. And, and we all had building competitions and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And it's just f- and like we had a blast. Like it was just fun stuff that we wanted to do. And we just brought along people with us. And people are going to cherish that and remember that for. For a while, I remember it. Um, so there's different things. Just reach out and figure out where you can help, wherever. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a church either. There's plenty of organizations that you can reach out to, or maybe it's, maybe it's straight up. I'm really good. You may sit there and you may think to yourself, I make the greatest peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the world. <laughs> and so you make 20 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and you drive around and you look for homeless people. Yeah. And you just hand out PB&Js. Again, it's remember what's important is we shouldn't necessarily be f- focused on ourselves as far as you know, everything revolves around me yeah. kind of aspect. But the Bible and what God is asking you to do is about what you do, not about what other people do. So if you go and you give them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it doesn't matter if that guy doesn't eat it. It's about that you saw a need and you tried to fill it. Yeah, that's always what it's about: is you sat there and you saw that the world was broken, and you tried to help fix it every single time. And that's those are the gifts that we've been given. And so, take advantage of them, and don't forget them. Yeah.
1: So to wrap this up, your faith shouldn't be something that you just hold inside and not share with the people. That doesn't mean you have to wear it on your sleeve and go telling everybody you you know I'm a Jesus. I went to church on Sunday. I'm a Jesus follower. Uh, live like Jesus. Talk about Jesus. when the spirit. Calls when you feel your intuition or a No, I've already shut down or a... from this conversation. <laughs> be open to it and uh be part of trying to bring more and more people to a very Jesus centered relationship.
0: We thank you for listening. Oh, hang on. Yeah.
1: So we thank you for listening to this episode of the Go to Hell podcast. Post your comments, questions, criticisms, etc., at gotohellpodcast.substack.com. Hit us up at Twitter at the Go to Hell Pod and Instagram at pod. You can email us at tim at hellpodcast.com or colton at gothelpodcast.com. And if you're really upset that we weren't filled with the Holy Ghost power, go to hell.